Hello, this is Penn Gillette. If I were to actually listen to the Liberal Cube podcast featuring host Jordan Maywood, I could potentially enjoy it. The Libra Cube. That is a podcast we haven't heard yet. Might be good, might be terrible. The Libro Cube Podcast with host Jordan Maywood. All right, here we go. This comes to us from our good friend Jordan Maywood. You call hamburger steamed ham. Yes. Hello, welcome to the Liberal Cube. Uh, my name is Jordan Maywood, and I am the Lackadaisical Liberal Cube. This show is a journey into my mind. Why would you want to go there? I don't know, which perhaps explains the almost, almost total lack of listenership. Oh well. I say oh well because this thing is more for me in the sense that the idea if it could be called such, is that if you were to watch a bunch of movies, televisions, books, games, internets, I suppose they're all watching things, uh, and were to just not talk about any of it with anyone, it would sit up in the dusty attic of your mind and slowly or not so slowly drive you insane is the working theory I am working under working. Uh, so, you know, th- that's what this is. I, I, I pour it forth so it gets the hell out of there and makes room for more, uh, media consumption, which I do a lot of because, uh, life is a horrible piece of shit on average. So, uh, uh, to, uh, uh you know, explore and investigate and, uh, experience all this media, really delve deep into it, uh, sort of pulls you away from that whole life thing. And I like it. Uh, okay, well, uh, that's the beginning of a podcast, I suppose. I, I think what I will do now is push a button that will hopefully uh, guide us through the first segment. Mm. Movie monologue. Today's movie monologue sponsor is the Landing Strip Gentlemen's Club. Thank you for that sponsorship. Okay, what do we have? Movies, movies, movies. Slow Ride Home from 2020. Eight member of Seattle-based Soldiers of Destiny Scooter Club attempt a 3,700-mile odyssey from Florida to Washington at less than blazing speed. That's funny. Uh, of around 45 miles per hour. M-P-H. What's that in kilometers, I wonder, as I am Canadian? Uh, let's see. 45 km. Oops. M P N K M. I think that'll work. 4572. Okay, so, you know, it's uh, somewhat fast, but uh, also somewhat not fast. Uh, yeah, uh, okay, so a uh, bunch of weirdos, <laughs> basically. Uh, a bunch of, bunch of weird dudes uh, uh, sort of traveling via these uh, little scooters uh, that, you know, probably were not meant to travel such long distances. Uh, in fact, definitely were not. Uh, there, there's breakdowns, there's camaraderie, 
I suppose we would underline that. Uh, the movie itself was okay. Uh, Rating-wise, I think I'd go... Oh boy, sometimes it's easier than others, but I will say from the perspective of when I watched this, <laughs> compared to some of the other movies, uh, this was like quite a few weeks ago, so my memory of it is lessened due to time, because that's how memories work. I'll go oh, 3, just uh, right down the middle, 3. Uh, I, I do remember having enjoyment while, wa while watching, which is a 3, uh, but my desire to watch it again is non-existent, which is a 3. So... Thank you, slow ride home. Uh, moving on to Tread. Uh, pushed to his breaking point, a master welder in a small town at the foot of the Rocky Mountains quietly fortifies a bulldozer with 30 tons of concrete and steel and seeks to destroy those who believes have wronged who he believes have wronged him. Uh, if that sounds familiar, you are of an age where you remember this actually happening in real life. Uh, yes, it actually factually did happen. There was much, much video of it, um, on the television because we didn't, uh, when did it happen? I don't know when exactly it happened, but it was in the, was it in the eighties or nineties? Or I think it was in the nineties. Yeah. So this guy goes crazy quite literally the craziness sort of simmers over time um and eventually he, he he gets this giant bulldozer basically a tank he turns a bulldozer into a tank if you boil it down i was gonna say minus the gun it, it didn't have like a gun that shoots you know whatever tanks shoot but uh he did have a bunch of guns pointing out of it and stuff yeah uh and this is the uh the the a documentary about that interviewing uh, the people of the town people who were there when it happened uh no one got hurt i don't think but uh, like great sort of swaths of this town were just bulldozed over and and no one could stop them police came you know fired their guns nothing like he he, he turned it into a tank nothing could be done like i suppose if you had an actual tank uh, you could have done something, but even then, they, they had lots of heavy machinery that they tried to, like, get in the way of this thing, and it would just, like, literally, well, bulldoze it over. Um, I, you know what? I had a, a sort of theory as well. Back around when this happened was when you started to see the emergence of a lot of uh, 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 police chase videos and police chase... Uh, television shows. I, I suppose there was always cops, which had it a bit, uh, which I think would have been before this. But uh, there really was an explosion of that. And every time you saw sort of a compilation of police chase videos, the the scenes of this thing would always be in it. So uh, I feel like this sort of helped that too. Which I uh, do you see that as much anymore? I, I feel like maybe you don't see those as much as you used to back when they first sort of came on the scene. Uh, okay, so documentary, Tread, uh, it was interesting to see the sort of behind the scenes, they, they did a lot of reenactments of, uh, of what happened and how it uh, came to be, uh, they, they did some in depth on the, the building of the actual thing, which was kind of cool, which I, I hope they did from the beginning, uh, I wanted to see what he did to this thing. Uh, <clears throat> one of the, the, the sort of cool things he did, like, he was a master welder, which I think it said in that. A description there yeah master welder um so he like welded these panels on the side which you know pretty cool but then uh he had like them 
where he could pour concrete in them. So it was like basically steel with concrete in the middle. So like really no wonder that no one could get in. Uh, he did, uh, I guess there was one death, um, him. Uh, yeah, he, he didn't, uh, he didn't make it out of this ordeal that he put himself through. So, uh, rating wise, I go a solid four. Yeah. Uh, it's interesting, especially if you, if you remember this happening when it actually did back in the day, which I feel like if you were alive and of a conscious age, um, when this happened, like everyone knew about this, it was like a worldwide sort of phenomenon, sort of, uh, that has been forgotten a little bit. Like, uh, when I saw the video, I'm like, Oh shit. Yeah. I remember that. <laughs> So, uh, four out of five, uh, moving on to, I'm thinking of ending things. This weird one from 2020, uh, full of misgivings, a young woman travels with her new boyfriend to his parents secluded farm. Upon arriving, she comes to question everything she thought she knew about him and herself. Okay. So I, I want to say I watched this with the missus and, uh, I don't know if I, like, we watched the trailer, and watch the trailer of this if you do anything, because it's freaking weird as hell. One thing I will say of the trailer, uh, at least the one we watched, uh, the sound of the dog is not throughout the whole movie, it's just a little bit, <laughs> that's one thing the missus was worried about. Uh, okay, anyways, um, uh, so I don't know if I should feel smart about this, or uh, if it was obvious, um, but in the first... Uh, I, I wrote, I very rarely write notes at all, but I actually wrote a note for this, uh, this movie. So I mentioned it, uh, because I, I wrote, uh, in, on my phone, just a, in a little notepad five minutes into this movie, what I thought was happening. Uh, and, and then by the end of the movie, when we knew what was happening, I showed it to the missus, uh, and, and then felt that sense of pride of being right. Now, that being said, uh, I have said on this podcast many times that movies where I know what is going to happen usually end up getting lower ratings than ones where I have no idea what's going to happen and I'm, you know, pleasantly or even not pleasantly surprised. Uh, so, uh, to, to spoil this, which I give a spoiler warning at the top, I think, or oh, did I forget? Yeah, I probably did. Um, this whole movie, this is a big spoiler, uh, which is, this movie is apparently based on the book. Uh, on a book as well <clears throat> takes place sort of in the mind of a, of a character. Uh, even though it's playing out like scenes, uh, in just like a, a normal movie, those scenes are actually happening within the mind of a person. Uh, and I guess that five minutes into the movie somehow, some way. So I, I suppose I should feel like, Oh yeah, I'm a real smarty pants. But then also the fact that Maybe it's more obvious than I am giving myself credit for. I don't know. I don't know. Uh, Rating-wise, it was weird. It was good. I liked it. I like a weird movie. Acting good. Yeah, what's the guy's name? No, they have it open. Jesse Plemons. Yeah, Jesse Plemons. I think he's going to fall into the category of, of actors and actresses. Uh, who, whenever they are in a movie, uh, they are good in that movie. Yeah, uh, I don't think I've ever seen him in anything that I haven't sort of thoroughly enjoyed him. Same with Tony Collette. She's really good as well. Everyone was good. Yeah, this is great acting in this movie, period. Full stop. Uh, rating, can I go a 5? I don't think I can go a 5, but I am going to go 4.49. Huh? 
for I'm thinking of ending things. I do want to re I read the book. You know what? Maybe I'll make a note of that. Um, book thinking of ending things. Okay. Uh, last but not least, question mark, Hustlers from 2019. Inspired by the viral New York Magazine article, Hustlers follows a crew of savvy former strip club employees who band together to turn the tabers on their Wall Street clients, starring J-Lo, or J-La, or Jennifer Lopez, or Jenny from the Block. Uh, uh, yeah, this is, uh, this is an interesting story. The fact that it's based on a true story is, uh, is interesting. I have, in my years on this planet, been to strip clubs. Um, so now I, luckily I'm not a, a, a rich, uh, a wall street type that's, uh, would be targeted by strippers, I assume to, uh, have them fleece me of my money by giving me drugs, uh, that sort of throw me, uh, for a loop. Yeah. Throw me for a loop. That's the sentence I'm going to use. Uh, and then sort of get my pin and then steal all my money for my credit cards and such. Luckily I'm not that. And I'm just a, a regular former, uh, strip club, uh, goer. Hmm. Uh, yeah. So interesting that it's a true story, but the, the story itself and, and what happens in it is very predictable. Uh, acting is, you know, fine. Um, so, some funny parts, some interesting parts, but overall kind of meh. Uh, watched it with the misses, uh, and I, I, I have been forgetting, I think, just about every single episode. Uh, not that I ever said I was going to do this, but uh, to get her rating. Uh, she was also, I do believe, kind of meh on it. Uh, Rating-wise, I think a three again. Three, if you're unfamiliar with my scale, three is uh, enjoyed while watching. You know, had, had moments of enjoyment and interest, but uh, wouldn't watch it again. That's a three. Uh, and I think that will allow me to push this button now. Television talk. Today's television talk sponsor is Pied Piper. Thank you for that sponsorship. Sponsorship for this television talk segment in which we are talking Silicon Valley. Oh, this show from HBO that I have <clears throat> in Canada available for my viewing pleasure on Crave. Uh, thank you, Crave. Uh, I am enjoying your service. Uh, okay, so uh, obviously heard of this show. Obviously uh, um, heard of it in uh, very highly in sort of comedic circles. It was much loved. Uh, it has been off the air too long, I don't think. Yeah, uh, 2019. Okay, I, I thought, yeah, last last uh, last show was December 8th, 2019. Wow, I actually thought it was a little longer ago than that. I guess time is weird now. Uh, okay, so I, why don't I just start with the rating? Because I have no idea what I'm going to say about the show. Um, easy 5 out of 5. Yeah, uh, no, no sort of hesitation there whatsoever. Maybe... Uh, and and I, I think this is perhaps reflected a little bit on it. Maybe some seasons are better than others, but uh, overall, not even hesitation of a, a five out of five. So many laughs. Uh, all, all the main characters love them or love to hate them. Um, uh, yeah, if you're unfamiliar with the show, it takes place in the titular 
<laughs> Silicon Valley, um, where a, a, a group of uh, nerdy individuals are, are trying to start up a company uh, using various technologies that they, your very smart brains helped to come up with. Uh, well, it, it makes me, and, and I remember at the time when the show was sort of airing, uh, how they, it was sort of in the news and, and people who were actually in Silicon Valley, uh, Silicon, Silicon, let's say Silicon because that's no Silicon. Yeah. Would, would have an E if it's Silicon, uh, people in Silicon Valley who were sort of in the know in this, uh, field, uh, spoke very highly of it and its accuracy. And I, 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 they also had like, um, I think similar to other shows, they had people, who would, uh, uh, you know, sort of come in and say, no, this is, this wouldn't happen. Yes, this would happen. What do you call that? A, like, Gunnery Sergeant Hartman was one. Uh, it, you know, you have an expert. I, there's a word for it that my brain can't think of now. Are, are you, just on that note, are you getting dumber uh, in the uh, quarantine? I, I feel like potentially, potentially I'm getting dumber. Yep. Uh, on that note, <laughs> let me just do this. Conan, the librarian. Don't you know that Dewey Desmond is come? Book banter. Today's book banter sponsor is Chronomancy. Thank you for that sponsorship. The book we are talking, of course, if you are following along, is War of the Twins. This is book number two of the Dragonlance Legends series. Uh, authors Margaret Weiss and Tracy Hickman, of course. Uh, if you are following along with the podcast, first of all, I love you. Second of all, you will know uh, I, I am basically reading every Dragonlance. I don't know if I read every single one that's ever been written, but, uh, you know, I have a list that I'm working through, and it's a very long list. I started with the Meaning Sextet, and then I did the, the, the Dragons of the Autumn and whatevers and the Winters, uh, and now I'm in the tw the Twins ones, and uh, I'm freaking loving it. Uh, I, I think it was a wise decision that uh, in these uh, turbulent times to pick a series of books that would help me escape them to a very far away fantasy land. And uh, it's a goddamn delight, I will say. Uh, let me read the Goodreads for this one. <clears throat> Looks like it might be a good one. 100 years have passed since the fiery cataclysm that changed the face of Kryn forever. For 100 years, the people of Kryn have struggled to survive, but for some... Those 100 years have passed in the blink of an eye. Catapulted forward in time by Raceland's, Rastlin's, Raceland's, mm, fantasy names, powerful magic, Caramon and Chrysania, fucking fantasy names, find themselves aiding the mage's unholy quest to master the Queen of Darkness. To his dismay, Raceland discovers along the way that the annals, annals, <laughs> the annals of time, are not so easily bent to his will. Neither are the longings of his heart. I think maybe. Episode title, Annals of Time. Annals of Time. That's that's a pretty, you know, pretty obvious choice, right? 
Uh, yeah. So, uh, this further, well, <laughs> I guess <laughs> I'm an idiot. I guess as the, the, the name of the, uh, the, the title, the title of this book, War of the Twins, as that sort of implies, uh, um, the, the sort of friction and rift between the twins, uh, Karaman and Raceland. Fucking hate fantasy names sometimes. Why couldn't it be, you know, Bob and Doug? Bob and Doug Madgery. Uh, the, the, the sort of rift between them is furthered. Um, yeah, uh, rating wise, I, I think again, easy five out of five. I'm getting a lot of five out of fives of these books. It's just, I love them so much. They're, they're like perfect, the perfect for my needs right now. These books, you know, just period. Um, I will say it was interesting to see, uh, uh, uh the sort of the, what they worked into this, uh, in terms of time travel, uh, time travel and fantasy, uh, some interesting possibilities. Uh, I've sort of debated uh, working with that before. In fact, I have written out a sort of a, a I guess you would say a, the end. Uh, should I say this? Just in case anyone I know listens. Yeah, the end. It's going to be years from now before I run it. I, I have a campaign planned where the, the, the sort of end of it is where uh, the, 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 they sort of the 90% of the campaign is done. They've done all their stuff. Uh, and, and then suddenly they jump ahead, you know, a hundred years or whatever and find out all the sort of ramifications of what they've done um, and then have to uh, fix <laughs> or, you know, sort of adjust based on that. Uh, sort of an interesting idea. Time travel in general, I love. Um but uh, time travel combined with fantasy and magic, obviously, uh, has some cool possibilities. So needless to say, this is a fun book and stuff. Uh, okay, speaking of the uh, 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 fantasy and uh, Dungeons and Dragons, let me push this button. Today's game, Gavin, sponsor is Skydiving. Thank you for that sponsorship, Michael Crow. Uh, all right. So uh, if you are, again, one of those aforementioned follower alongers, uh, I will periodically read the uh, recaps of the D&D sessions that I am running, uh, particularly early right now. Uh, running through a campaign called Sliders, in which our adventurers, as I often refer to them, are uh, traveling from plane to plane for reasons. If you want to know the reasons, you'll have to go back and listen to episode one. Not one A, one. Uh, this is uh, Sliders, session 2A, recap, colon, the plane of air. Hmm. <clears throat> Prior to the slide of the plane of air, Nadraj outfitted everyone with some potentially useful items, and Balamon managed to pull a spell book containing the spell Fly from the McConaughey bookshelf that would surely come in handy. Dot dot dot. Um, I did dot 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 there because uh, he forgot to use it <laughs> and it disappeared. 
when he returns to uh, Nadraj's plane. Uh, they also were introduced to their quote-unquote guide for this particular plane in the form of a invisible stalker named Pokeru, who popped out of Nadraj's personality contraption, NPC, with the push of a button. Uh, I'm not going to explain that. Uh, normally there's a feeling of falling while our adventures slide from plane to plane, so it must have come as a bit of a surprise when that feeling was persistent and intensified in the plane of air. The good news was that when the portal opened, their armbands let them know that they would not be on this plane for long at all. Just a matter of rounds. And also that the portal home would open up directly in their path of their fall, so all they had to do was stay on course. The bad news was that a flock of nasty-looking bird-like creatures, arrowhawks, quickly spotted them and must have thought that creatures who clearly could not fly in a plane where flying was pretty vital would be easy pickings. Merle was the first to be plucked off course, and without the help of Pokeru, who had a flight speed, uh, and a well-tossed rope from Mayrin, uh, who knows what sort of nest of horrors these multiple-winged and eyed creatures would have taken them to. Balamon was certainly no Dumbo. <laughs> He's playing a Loxodon, which is like a elephant humanoid. Uh, Balamon was no Dumbo. Let me say that joke again. So quickly realized that maneuvering in this plane was not easy, so was forced to spend much of his attention on getting back on course thanks to a series of very bad aerial acrobatics rolls. Yeah, uh, so if you wanted to move in space, like you were moving down constantly because the whole, basically the whole session or the whole time they were in the plane, they were falling, just falling, falling, falling. Um, and if you wanted to move horizontally, um, you had to do a uh, acrobatics check. Uh, and as, as long as you rolled... Uh, if you rolled under a 10, you stayed where you were, uh, and, and above 10 would determine how much you could move, uh, horizontally, uh, is how I did that. And, and you really didn't want to be off course, uh, when the portal home opened because bad things would happen. Anyways, uh, Sakino was perhaps the least fortunate as despite having virtually the entire flock destroyed, one Arrowhawk managed to pull him into a storm cloud where he found the source of the ever nearing incredibly loud shrieks that they had been hearing throughout the battle. An enormous um, flying thing burst forth from the darkness of the storm clouds and tried to toss a helpless... Uh, Sakino at the group, narrowly missing Merle. With a flash, it flew upwards with a staggering speed and then began to plummet straight for the group, clearly trying to take out everyone with its combination of speed, bulk, and beastly rage. A twinkle below let everyone know that the portal home was about to open, but would they make it? Everyone had the briefest of moments to try to do anything to slow this creature one turn and working as a team they managed to prevent this thing from knocking them off course and only Balmond was slightly off center um so uh barely off center took one level of exhaustion which uh, didn't really matter because they were just about to go home uh, when everyone exited the planar gate home there was a moment where they all breathed a sigh of relief that was quickly followed uh, by a giant mass of blood and gore and bone and feathers that covered everyone in a viscous layer of once-living goo. Clearly, the giant bird thing could not stop its rapid descent and entered the portal, but 
Without an armband to protect it, it was unable to make the transition from its dimension to this one. With a resigned sigh, Nadrod said, uh, it's going to be a bitch to get this out of the carpet. Uh, also, at some point, they spotted the skydiving scene from the movie Point Break happening in the distance. The end. Until next, which maybe I'll give a little tease, next session recap will be for the Plane of Hades. Oh, creepy. Uh, I think I can now push this button. <laughs> Charlie, Charlie bit me. Internet intercourse. I like turtles. Today's internet intercourse uh, sponsor is the Dragons and Gnome Tossing League. Thank you for that sponsorship. All right, item the first is a new podcast added to the podcast listening repertoire. It's called Practical Heroes, and uh, I've started at episode one. Uh, I, I assume campaign one because uh, uh, the episodes are titled Immortals episode one. Um, so uh, uh, this is a campaign in which a group of adventurers are uh, traveling the realms. Uh, in the first couple of episodes, we are introduced to them and find uh, 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 they're in a city in which uh, gnome tossing a competition is being held, which I thought was a, a, a sort of a good way to uh, not only introduce the characters, but uh, put them into a scenario where it's going to be some fun. Uh, you could, you know, potentially start a campaign where it's all doom and gloom and uh, terrible things have happened and uh, people are thrust together in order to try to right great wrongs or more up my alley. Uh, and, and potentially anyone listening to this is Allie. Uh, the idea that uh, uh, fun and camaraderie can bring together just as well, if not better, uh, set a tone compared to, uh, you know, uh, doom and gloominess. The adventures are taking place in the world of Eroth. Uh, which I assume is a sort of a, a homebrew uh, creation of the DM. Uh, the DM, who I think is English, he has an English accent. I do, excuse me, if I do recall. We've got uh, some travel into mines. Something about mines in, <laughs> you know what? Uh, mining is a dangerous job, like in real life. But if you were a miner in any sort of fantasy setting, you might as well just you know, kill yourself because. Mines in D&D, always dangerous. Extra so. Uh, yeah, so uh, anyways, I uh, recommend uh, giving it a shot. Uh, practical Heroes, available in all your usual podcasty places. If you like a little D&D actual play podcast, and I know you do. Moving on to Lemino, or Lemino. I uh, did a, a video recently on UFO stuff. Oh, interesting. Something, uh, or, or or is it? Uh, I should question. Um, back in the day, I guess sort of X-Files probably came of it uh, and, and all sort of uh, stuff like that. I feel like maybe it was more popular back in the day than it is now. Uh, UFOs and aliens. and Oh, remember that uh, alien autopsy video that came out? That one was pretty... You know what? I bet you those are around the same time as that Tread, <laughs> the, the, the bulldozer guy and alien autopsy. I feel like they're sort of of an age. 
so anyways, uh, Lamino, who does amazing videos, highly recommend anything he does. Um, put one out recently on uh, UFOs and, and, and some of the things that have recently come to pass. Uh, and, and it's fascinating. But I'm still sort of on the fence and, and not convinced necessarily. Like, like the, the, it, there's got to be more concrete than this. And, and it almost seemed like he was leaning that way as well. Uh, maybe not necessarily. It, it is fascinating and I recommend just in terms of knowing what the most recent UFO type stuff is out there, like a New York times article worthy, apparently uh, stuff. So that's kind of interesting. You, you got to assume, and, and I'm not the first person to say this. I, I think maybe he even said it in the video that if it wasn't for, you know, COVID and, uh, and everything going on in the world today, that is horrible. <laughs> uh, we would probably be much more focused on the, uh, things that take place in this video. So, uh, recommend that one. Uh, moving on to newcomers. Oh yeah. I uh, got a new, uh, season. Wait, yeah. Let's just call it a season. Uh, so in the, in the first season, uh, Lauren Lapkus and Nicole Byer watched all the star Wars movies and a bunch of other star Wars stuff for the first time. Uh, they are in their thirties, I do believe. <laughs> so that's kind of interesting right there. Uh, it was sort of, uh, newcomers to the series and movies, uh, so, you know, kind of interesting to see, uh, people experience things that have been around and incredibly popular through fresh eyes. Uh, I liked the first season because, uh, they made fun of a lot of stuff. And as I've often said of Star Wars, uh, it, it's both very, very good and incredibly overrated. Um, <laughs> being a Star Trek guy, a Trekkie, you might say. So in this season, uh, they've, uh, switched their focus to Lord of the Rings and are, uh, now watching all of those, including the Hobbit and other stuff, fan fiction. They did an episode about, uh, I'm curious if they will watch the Hobbit cartoon. <laughs> maybe, maybe, uh, yeah. So, uh, so far so good. A similar tone of, and this is maybe the only knock I have against it. Uh, <laughs> and they even like sort of freely admit it. So it's not like I'm saying this in necessarily a negative way that sometimes it seems like their concentration on the subject matter is less than ideal. Yeah. Okay. There, there, there's a very political way of saying it, <laughs> uh, but it, it, it's fine. Uh, what it has done is made me want to rewatch the Lord of the Rings, which, you know, I've seen it. I don't know how many times, but. I really do feel like maybe watching her from big, I wonder, wonder if I could talk the misses into watching them. I, like I'm pretty sure she's seen them. Uh, that's a good question. You know what? I should make a note of that as well. Uh, okay. So, uh, f recommend that podcast in general. Um, and, and these are some fun episodes, uh, the Lord of the Ringsy ones. Uh, okay. Last but not least is I went down a Craig Ferguson rabbit hole. Craig Ferguson, um, his late night talk show, which was on after David Letterman, I do believe, uh, seemingly having a, a, a sort of a resurgence online, uh, just on YouTube, uh, and, and his sort of, uh, comedy and, and, and personality just, just seems to really be appreciated now more than potentially it was back when he was on the air question mark. That's sort of the feeling I got that 
people now are able to look back at his show for what it was, which was something quite a bit different than your typical late night talk show. Uh, you know what? I, and I think I figured out why I have come to uh, uh, like him so much and, and like sort of his style and his, his, his interview techniques, if that's what you want to call them. And, and that's probably not accurate because what it is is just him shooting the shit with someone, him sitting down, talking, uh, being at ease, uh, uh, putting the person at ease because he's at ease and, and just sort of shooting the shit as I do believe you would say. Um, uh, yeah, the reason why uh, it's appealing to me so much is because it's like a podcast. He, he treats it like uh, a, a sort of typical two people sitting down talking and recording a podcast. Uh, he, <laughs> I, I, I think he does this like every time is, and I don't know if he does it every time, but seemingly a lot of the time he'll have, you know, your typical notes, your little blue cue cards that uh, talk show hosts are given with things to say to the person sitting beside them. And he'll just take those and tear them up because, you know, fuck that shit. Uh, and he does seem to have a little bit of that uh, anarchy in him that uh, is very much appreciated. So thanks, Craig Ferguson, for being Craig Ferguson is what I'm saying. Uh, and I reckon I recommend a Craig Ferguson rabbit hole on YouTube. Um, some uh, enterprising individuals have put a lot of his stuff up, uh, including uh, what this person has done, which is very appreciated, uh, is he will take a specific guest and then get all the appearances of that guest and put them all in one video. So like I watched the... Oh God, it was like, I think it was another double digits, uh, Stephen Wright. Uh, those were fascinating because he spoke of a couple of times how he's not very comfortable uh, on these talk shows. Like he likes to come out. It's not that he's not comfortable. It's like he's comfortable when he is able to come out with a plan of what he wants to say and sort of like almost a pre-planned jokes that he wants to get to sort of thing. Like, he likes everything sort of set. Uh, and he spoke of uh, how he is, was not comfortable, at least at first, with the sort of uh, nature of just sitting around shooting the shit. Uh, uh, anything can happen. Uh, uh, that sort of feel compared to uh, the more traditional style of talk show where there's a, that blue cue card with the things you're going to talk about. Um, but then over time, and I feel like you could see that even in the videos, not to mention the fact that he just straight out said it, uh, he became more comfortable with this format, format and started to like it more. And you could see uh, him, him sort of uh, loosen up and like Stephen Wright smiling, <laughs> which is sort of a weird, oh, you know what? Maybe that's uh, the name of the podcast. I might not want to have anal. I just realized uh, my, the word anal in the podcast title. So maybe I'll do Stephen Wright smiling. Oh, isn't that a little bit nicer? Yeah. Okay, so that'll be the title. Uh, folks, we did it. Uh, whatever it is, it is done. It's nice to be nice to the nice. This is the end of the show. A sincere thank you for listening. Time to plug some things and I do not mean. But. You can like us on Facebook. You can follow Jordan underscore Maywood on Twitter. You can subscribe and comment on iTunes. Lastly, if you would like to contact the podcast, you can email jordan.maywood at gmail.com. I would like to conclude that I am not a robot. <laughs>
and that I have a theory. I've got a theory that it's a demon, a dancing demon. No, something isn't right there. I've got a theory. The best is yet to come, and babe, won't it be fine? You think you've seen the sun, but you ain't seen it shine. Wait till the warm-up's underway. Wait till our lips have met. Wait till you see that sunshine day. You ain't seen nothing yet. The best is yet to come and be. Won't it be fine? The best is yet to come. Live long and prosper.